you might resent yourself for resonating with someone else on things that you now feel are beneath you. And then you judge the other person for not keeping up. But really, what you're looking at is a former version of yourself that you have resentment for. Hi there. I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Connor Moore, welcome back to the show. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Kelly, what's up? Uh, so we have another couples situation episode for everybody today. Because, Is that what the couple situation? Yeah, you are my most highly requested and beloved guest. My beloved is beloved. Oh, wow. Please never say that again. <laughs> never. My king. Oh, beloved. wow. Okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> and this can be a breakup podcast real quick if you don't watch it. <laughs> I love that you're also sitting on the chair and I'm on the couch. Like, we have to have some you, space here. You need optimum distance to be professional. Or? Esther Perel says that fire needs air. And this podcast will be fire. So we have to have air between us. We can't like spoon. Are you going to sleep in the guest room tonight? or Maybe. We should spoon. We should do an episode while spooning. That sounds like the worst audio experience (laughs) that we could possibly create for anybody. Okay. So Connor and I, we're going to do this show already because we wanted to talk about um, our ayahuasca experience together at the Realness Retreat that we just got back from about a month ago. But then I started getting flooded with lots of questions because I keep posting pictures of us and everybody loves you. So (laughs) apparently we are the new... Couples dating coaches. Yay. So we're going to do that. <laughs> Fantastic. Actually, he really is a dating coach. So if you need his help, you can go to where? Getterealness.com. There you go. Um, but we're going to talk about our ayahuasca experience together, which was magic and a half. And then we're going to get into some listener questions. So just some examples of what we're talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about some inner child work, especially stuff that I have been working on um, over the last week. And actually, it's been a lot of crying. And if you go to my Instagram, you can see that in real life. Uh, making compromises, honoring where someone is in their experience, in their journey, how to deal with conflict and conversations and working through that together. Um, and how to support each other in the best way. I think that's one of the tough things that a lot of people have been coming to me with is how do you show up for your partner and have them show up for you and do it in a in a beautiful, non-judgmental way. Working through things like dating when you feel like you're not being seen. Somebody asked us to talk about sex, but they said not X-rated. And I said, that's all that we do is talk about X-rated It's going to get real sex. dirty. So it's real getting raunchy real weird. And um, we'll kind of round this out talking about moving from judgment to empathy in a relationship, which is something that I think you speak about beautifully in a lot of ways. So I will let, we'll you, see. We'll let you run the show on that. But before we get into this conversation, let's talk about live. Oh. Ceremony Wellness Live, babe. Yeah. I'm so excited. October 5th, you, me, all our friends. All of, literally, literally all, all of our, our friends. friends. 
<laughs> so, you, so I started putting my speaker list together like last year. And then every time I meet someone more awesome, including Connor, because I didn't know him until earlier this year, it's like, oh, I want them to speak it live. I want them to speak it live. And I just keep asking more people. And now our panels and all of our speakers, it's insane. I like that my panel is just um, really just the people that I like hang out with. I know, which I haven't asked two of them yet, but... It'll be fine. I feel like they're going to say that. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about so many different things. You're covering what? You know, since things have moved around mm-hmm. a lot, truth be told, when I'm going to do an event, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about Me until neither. about a month beforehand. Because oh, it I was going to say I, the night before. Yeah, it won't... <laughs> It starts taking shape. It's just like anything else. When you commit to something, it's mm-hmm. if I were to make a decision right now about what I was going to talk about, it would I would by the time it got there, I'd be like, um, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. Totally honor where <laughs> you are. But I think considering uh, the people that we'll be speaking with, I'm excited to talk a lot about how we can express ourselves in a way and create culture in a way around us. And that means culture in a family, in a community, in a business that uh, reflects us. And honestly, you know, something that really that, that resonates with me is, is seeing yourself and the culture and the business around you. And that's not how awesome you are. That's also where you maybe lack some characteristics that could be really helpful and how that can be a mirror for you. So... That'll come up. I love that so much. And our amazing friend, Caroline Burkle, is going to be on that panel with you. And so if anybody wants to find her, you can go to C-A-R-O-B-U-R-C-K-L-E and check out what she's doing. She is one of our newest ads to our speaker list. She's a former Olympian and incredible athlete and just one of the funniest, most amazing women I've ever known. She swims really fast and yeah. she has and she a really... really heavy. She has a really cute laugh too. She has the cutest laugh. I love her. But we're going to be talking... We're going to have panels on sex, relationships, healing, autoimmune disease, chronic illness, my Ayurvedic doctor, my functional medicine doctor, um, so many of the women in my life that have changed my entire path uh, will be in that room. And... I can also announce that we will be in the most incredible house in Hollywood. It is called the Hummingbird Temple. And it has a ceremony room and it is the most magnificent, magnificent, beautiful place in the whole world. You've seen me so excited about this for yes. weeks now. So I'm thrilled to announce that. It doesn't even look real. It does not look real. I'm not sold on it yet. I don't like your attitude. You're I just haven't seen invited. it. It just looks too, it looks too amazing. I haven't, until I see it in real life. I know. We got to go do a tour and take video to show everyone. So if you want to join us for Ceremony Wellness Live, you can go to kellytenant.com slash live. I am so excited about this day and I look forward to meeting everybody in person there. Me too. All right. So let's get this started talking about the Realness Retreat. So for people that don't know anything about your incredible retreat in Costa Rica at Soltara, give them the breakdown, babe. So I went to Soltara in Costa Rica about... I guess it's been almost a year ago now. And I was just happened to be friends with the founders of this incredible retreat center. And they wanted to create uh, an intimate experience with, I would say, really incredible Shipibo healers from the Amazon. And they had been working with these healers for about a decade. They had they had a retreat center in Peru. So they'd been, they had been in the plant medicine game for a while. And we got to know each other and they created the center. So as soon as they were open for business, I went down and checked it out, fell in love with it. And I'd wanted to build a bridge 
between I think I think the big issue when people want to go do something like ayahuasca is that it's just like, where do you go? What do we do? Who's gonna be there? Is it gonna be a bunch of fucking weirdos? Is it just gonna be like a bunch of hippies wearing gowns? Like what I don't know what's going on. Am I gonna end up in a cult? Will I <laughs> like do I end up will there be human sacrifice? You just don't know. You just don't know. So I never had those thoughts, but okay. <laughs> You to also, each his own. You also did ayahuasca in like Santa Cruz. I know. <laughs> like there's zero percent chance different. you're gonna get attacked by a jaguar in Santa Cruz. <laughs> For me personally, if there's not a chance I'm gonna get attacked, attacked by a jaguar, I don't want to do drugs there. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so uh, I loved it. I love the Shipibo tradition. It was so. It, to me, it, it carried a lot of the, the beauty that the Peruvian traditions have, with being much more accessible and. And the facility, the staff, everybody was so relatable. It, it, it checked all the boxes for me. So we put together a retreat where we were going to be going down there. And, and truth be told, like I didn't have a, a ton to do at the retreat besides get everyone there. Mm-hmm. And it was so amazing because everyone that was there kind of came together you know, through the Realness Podcast or associated podcast. And, the, and, and so we had something in common going in, even though we were all coming from different, very different walks of life. So what was it, 16 total? Mm-hmm. 16 of us plus me and my good friend, Mike Salemi, um, just like my soul brother, such an awesome, awesome dude, which I think everybody was just blown away by how kick-ass that guy is. He's the best. But um, we, we put a really fun thing together and and it's been... I mean, I was I was nervous. Of course, I was nervous. Like, I hope this thing happens. Everything everything's good. And you know, of course, there were like a couple of like flights missed and things got a little crazy. But everything worked out, and it was it was it was magical. It was incredible. And for me, I think one of the coolest things was that you never know who you're going to get in a group. And I didn't know anyone except for you. And you go, and then. I loved everybody. I was in a room with three incredible women who were just so wonderful. And you're just like, all these people from different walks of life that you probably never would have met, right? Unless you were there. And everyone bonds and has an incredible spiritual experience and is sharing and it's hard and it's intense, but it's beautiful. And you just... There's this sense of knowing you're not alone and then... Also, don't ever judge a book by its cover because <laughs> I don't know that any of us would have been like, yeah, that person's definitely going to be on the retreat, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most special things is like this medicine and this work isn't just for hippies. Although I do act like a hippie and talk like a you know spiritual person sometimes, I'm a pretty normal chick and everyone there is as well. Don't really rise at me. And I think that was one of the coolest things is like you're bridging these worlds of spirituality and medicine and healing and ancient healing with current people. I mean, that's a funny thing about this now is that, you know, 10 years ago, and I actually talked to the founder of Soltara, Dan, about this while we were there. Is that you know, ten years ago, it was a whole different. It was a whole different group of people that were going down to the Amazon, and that's who he was working with. And like I said, he's been doing this for for a decade, so he's seen the evolution of it over time. And and something we, he and I resonate on is that this stuff isn't necessarily at this point for like quote unquote hippies or right. like psychonauts. I mean, it's soccer moms and it's school teachers and it's, you know, CrossFit gym owners and, and these different, it's people that are just needing a little bit of clarity and want to step outside of this reality for a little while and, and seek that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're weird or crazy or, you know, whatever other word 
the outside world outside of you wants to, wants to place on you for that. It's it's interesting, and that's one thing. Like it used to be mostly men, and I understand that's one of the things I love about Costa Rica is that it's it's very safe, mm-hmm. and Peru is not. So a lot more women are able to go and feel like go alone and feel safe at Soltara. Interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. So it's probably, and that's one thing they loved about our group is that it was about, it was about 50, 50, maybe a little, maybe 60, 40 women. And that was something that's not as common down there mm. because it's, it's usually like a lot of women that want to work through things and, and are kind of, it is a big leap to go somewhere where you don't speak the language and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. And there's so many horror stories, but they make it really accessible and very safe. And I, I love that about it. Mm-hmm. So you did quite a few episodes on ayahuasca with uh, Kirsten and Mike from yeah. last year. So we're not going to get super deep into the entire ceremony and what it looks like and all of that. But if you go to Connor's podcast, um, listen to The Realness, you can find his episodes. It's like very in-depth explanations yeah. and really beautiful while they're in the process of the medicine. Yeah, that's one thing we did different on those episodes and not not to go too deep into it, but we talked about what we were taking into the first ceremony and then we did a show after each of the four ceremonies, which is something I had, I'd never seen anybody else do before. Is, is And you can tell the, by the tone of our voice and the, yeah. the way we're talking, like what we're going through and it's, we're kind of all in it together. Mm-hmm. But it was it's a really unique audio experience. So you can link that in the description of the yeah, show. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll put those in there, but I highly recommend listening to those. That's kind of how I found you slash fell in love with you. So that's that. <laughs> um, so. That's actually kind of how I found you too. Yeah. Listen to the episode and you'll find out. Dreamy. That's true. <laughs> um, okay. So here's what I want to talk about though, because I think that I did my retreat in February in Santa Cruz. I did it by myself. I didn't know anybody. You weren't going to sit in ceremony. Maybe one night you were going to do a light dose because this was your retreat. And then you decided that you and Mike collectively decided and the group really wanted you to be a part of it. So you guys sat in ceremony every night. And I don't know that I can ever put into words how grateful I am that that happened because that week took our relationship to a whole different level. And I think we saw things for ourselves and in each other and with each other and for each other. It was so profound and beautiful. So I would love for you to just talk about your experience of doing it with me and what that was like for you from a guy's perspective. Because I think there's a lot of fear around this space of sharing in that. And what if someone's not ready? And how does it feel? And I want to be in my own thing and not wrapped up in theirs and what that felt like. Yeah. Well, one thing that that we're really mindful of, first off, when this retreat was happening, we first started seeing each other, you weren't going to go. We made a very conscious decision that you weren't going to go and you didn't want to be a distraction. And then as time went on, I think we started to see how we were communicating and it was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually, people loved you there. So it was fantastic. You added so much of your magical beingness to, to the experience. And a, a really well-vetted experience and retreat like that will take into account people that have relationships outside of the retreat. So if you're married, if you're a good friend or something like that, they will consciously sit you as far away from each other as possible. And that's for a reason because you can share experiences like we're going to talk about. And we shared experiences from across the Maloka. So Mm -hmm. like... 50 feet apart, maybe, maybe more. We were pretty far apart there. And a maloka is a, a big room where you have the ceremony and yeah, everyone it's a, it's surrounds It's like the a edges. big round hut, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's magical. A really beautiful wooden hut. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, my experience going in, 
I wasn't planning on sitting in every ceremony, but I was just open-minded to whatever everybody thought would be the best. And, and I wanted to honor my, I wanted it to be very well known that my responsibility in that, in that retreat wasn't for me to go down there and have like my own ayahuasca experiences. Uh, it was for facilitating for everyone else to have a great time and be there if they needed me to be there for anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like it was very much about the retreat goers and not, not about me. And, and Mike and I had that conversation months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So when we get down there and we're kind of, you know, sitting at breakfast and talking to everybody and they were kind of surprised that we, even though I'd said it on every media outlet that I have, <laughs> that I have in, in my possession, like it was, <laughs> I was like, I'm not sitting in all ceremonies. Mike and I just decided like, okay, we'll, we'll sit in all three and we'll do a half of a, a half of a cup. And the funny thing is, when you have we've we've done the medicine down there before, so we have kind of the flexibility to drink more than most people would be able to because we've experienced that exact brew from that exact place, and they they trust us to make a, a good decision. So we decided to go half a cup, which is about half like half a dose, if you would say that makes sense, and. It was so funny because I've heard so many stories about people that drink like a lot, just a little bit and have these crazy profound experiences. And it's the exception, not the rule. It isn't necessarily dose dependent, but wow, (laughs) I was, I was definitely the exception. And Mike and I both were Mm -hmm. this experience and Mike's drank, you know, we don't, we don't like, neither one of us like to like give the numbers, but you know, 12 times or 11 times now for me, 26 for Mike. So it wasn't like we didn't, had never experienced it before. And we not, I've drank, you know, two, three cups before. And it was one of those things where it was just, it, it definitely shook me and kind of like, I think because I wasn't expecting anything, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Um, but having you in the experience was very interesting because not so much on the first night. The first night was kind of what I expected the nights to go like, which sometimes ayahuasca gives you exactly what you expect just so you think you know what's up, just so she can like blindside you, you know, like a little misdirect. Mm-hmm. The second night I had a really wild experience and it was, I knew you could feel it in the Maloka that it was going to be a really challenging night for most people, if not everyone. And I think everyone had a pretty challenging night that night and t- challenging doesn't mean it's not beautiful. Right. Um, and I was kind of in it and doing my thing and kind of thinking about, you know, when you don't drink a lot, sometimes you can kind of think yourself into areas of your life that you want to work through and get a different perspective. It's very like conscious, like a conscious experience. Like you're, I'm thinking about this thing and then some things will be shown to me and it's, you can kind of navigate your experience. So that's what I was thinking was going to happen. And then, you know, as things progress, like, and the healer started singing, I just, like for lack of a better term, just blacked out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what was happening. And I was working through some crazy wild stuff and I just had this ma- these like massive purges, which I usually don't have. I usually don't vomit during ayahuasca. I know a lot of people do. It's just not really my... It's only the second time I've ever done it. And I don't even remember feeling it, thinking it, any of that. It was just like, I just would just kind of come to as I was... I had magically found my way to the bucket, you know, and I was like resting my head on the edge of the bucket and just letting it roll, you know, and it was like this wave of just like cleansing warmth, just like through my whole body, and just out my mouth. It was very, it was very wild. But then I would lay down and this is, this is one of the weirdest experiences, but it, it really shook me was I would lay down on my side and then I would see you in my experience and I had my hand like open and I just kept saying, thank you, baby. Thank you. And I felt really grateful because I felt so much more grounded that I could get into some stuff that maybe I wasn't 
capable of getting into without you being there. Mm. And it wasn't like you were so close to me or like that much in my experience, but it was just these times where things got really challenging. And that's really, I don't remember much from that entire experience. I know I felt way different afterwards. And I think that after a while of doing different kinds of plant medicine, it's not necessarily about the about the cool story and the roller coaster ride. It's about the work that gets done. But I was so grateful in that experience to have had you there. And it started to really help me understand how important you are in in the work for me in my life. That's so sweet. <laughs> why do you think that... I'll get into my whole spiel in a second, but I'm just curious why you think that me being there allowed you to go deeper or have a different kind of experience? I mean, really, I don't think I've had that much grounded feminine umph in my life that you know in my in my whole life mm-hmm. especially since my grandmother passed and that was kind of my she was kind of my rock you know my whole life and definitely not in a romantic way and i think i i've had opportunities for that and just kind of you know did what guys do and slowly stepped out mm-hmm. of that situation dramatically as possible but uh <laughs> but i think there was something to that and and i don't know I couldn't put my finger on it, honestly, if I was, you know, I could probably articulate something that sounds cool, but in, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, I don't know. And I honestly don't really feel like it's that important for me to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad mm-hmm. that it was the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think the answer for that and for me of why I had my experience is because we both have created such, and I've said this a lot lately, such safe containers for each other to do the work. And you talk about feeling grounded. I feel safer and more seen and less judgment than I ever had of my life. So going in and doing something really hard fully is now available to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wasn't there before because I did not have that space. I wanted it. I knew I needed it, but I didn't have it. And you have stepped into my life and what feels very seemingly easy just held this and created this container. And I saw that during my experience. That's what came to me. It was like, it was um, that you were the master of my container. Mm. And that was so profound for me because I was like, I own my life and my space, right? Like I am the queen of my own life. And that's important to me to acknowledge. I don't want people to think I'm giving you the power. But at the same point, I think having that feminine masculine energy of like, you are the master of this space and you are creating a safe space to honor, protect, and support me. That is what is important in my work, at least. Yeah. So. I mean, it would maybe there would be more for me to say if I remembered most of my experience, but yeah. it was just like glimpses of you being, being there and mm-hmm. being like, oh God, I'm so grateful for this. Mm-hmm. It felt really like it was really important work. Mm-hmm. But I like that a lot. So I think the best story from the whole week was when we were walking up after ceremony, whichever night, the first or second night. It was after the second night. Okay. And we're walking up this hill back up to our rooms. And just for everyone to know, you leave the Maloka at any time after the ceremony is over. People sleep in there. You can leave immediately, which was my move. And you can go up and you can go eat or have tea or water or whatever. Yeah, they have like some food and tea. It's awesome. And you're like in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. Beautiful moon deck and look at the stars and hear the waves. It's great. We met up there and we're walking back up to the rooms after and I was like, okay, so this was amazing. 
you're on the other side of the room from me. But every time I would come out of either something really beautiful or really dark, it didn't matter. I would get up onto my knees and I would reach out my left hand to you because I knew where you were in the room, even though I couldn't see you. And I would just be like, thank you, baby. And you looked, you stopped, I remember, on the hill and you looked at me and you said, no, you didn't. I was like, yeah. And you go, that's what I was doing. And it was so crazy that we were doing the exact same thing, saying the same words that night. I would just, I wasn't sitting up and reaching, no. but I was like, just had my hand like uh-huh. out in that direction, like laying on my side. Yeah. <laughs> so wild. And I was like, damn. It was wild. It was a trip. I've never had something like that happen before. I was, I was, that was a really special experience. Yeah. And my, a lot of my stuff was around you and now everything's out of order and, you know, jumbled in my head. But I think one of the other things, the master of my container was a huge one, but also the black Jaguar. So I love this story. And <laughs> I'm sure people in their cars or in their kitchen right now are going to be like, what in the fuck? But yeah. I'm going to give I mean, it to you. You don't want me to give it to them? You will have to tell the story, but just some context. So there's been repeated visions in, in ayahuasca experiences and other experiences too. Wachuma, so San Pedro cactus, which is mescaline, mm-hmm. similar to peyote. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that in the Amazon as well. And I've had some really vivid, intense black jaguar visions. And those stories are all over my podcast. If you want to go like yeah. listen to them. But they're, they're, it's, it's one of those things that's recurring and I get very excited when it happens mm-hmm. because it's the literally the coolest fucking thing that's ever happened to me ever in my yeah. life. So that's the context for the black jaguar. And it's been something that's come up quite a few times in my experience. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. So I'm sitting there or laying there and it's in ceremony and the the female healer comes around and she's singing to the guy next to me. And every time one of the healers comes, I'm like a little kid on Christmas. I'm like, all right, get my shit together. Like, let me like pull myself off the mat. I got to get to the edge of the mat because they tell you like be present, right? And I'm like, pull myself to the edge of the mat. Okay, get ready. Like it's coming. It's so beautiful. I love listening to them sing to the person next to you. It's like this whole beautiful experience. And so I'm sitting there, I'm getting ready because she's coming to me next. And all of a sudden I look over to the guy next to me and he has become a black jaguar. And I'm like, in my head, of course, I'm having all these conversations in my head. And I go, why is there a black jaguar next to me? And I wish people would see me right now, but the black jaguar is like perched up with his hands up and he only turns his head. His whole body stays as it is towards the healer. And he just looks at me and he goes, you asked to meet me. I'm your guide. And I'm like, what? So my intention going into that night, one of my intentions was I want to meet my guides and I want to see them and I want to know their names. and. So I'm like, okay, but like, that's cool. But Connor is the black jaguar. He always sees the black jaguar. Why is my guide a black jaguar? And he goes, Connor is your guide in real life, like on earth. He's your black jaguar on earth. I am your black jaguar guide in the spiritual space. You have both of us. And the only reason you are now seeing me, because I've wanted to see my guides forever and I never saw it, felt it, heard it. Like I didn't know what it was like. 
He goes, the only reason you're able to see me is because Connor has activated that ability within you. And I was like, oh my God. First of all, this is the coolest thing ever. Second, I wanted to get up and run to you on the other side and be like, guess what, guess what, guess what? Would scared, it, that would have scared the shit out of me. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> Everybody would have freaked out. Yeah, that would have been horrible. Been I'm glad that I like had the wherewithal to not do that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it was a really beautiful moment for me because I have felt like you truly are a guide for me and you have opened up so much in my world. And it was beautiful to not only have that spiritual experience of wanting to know, okay, who's this voice that I'm hearing? What does this look like? What is my... like? my spirit squad protective team, what's happening there. And I asked to see it and this black jaguar comes forward, which is your animal, which is your healer, which is you. And now I have like this really powerful team. And of course it's you. And of course I'm able to do that through you because you have given me permission in a lot of ways in this space that I didn't have before. And that I wasn't attuned to or aware of. And Hmm. it was such a beautiful night. (laughs) I think about that all the time. Well, it was so cool. Yeah. I think that was the same night I actually got to turn into the Jaguar again. Mm -hmm. So I've done that. It's only the second time I've ever actually turned, like felt like I turned into a Jaguar. Mm. And for those of you guys that are listening, never had like these kind of experiences, like literally my face feels like it changes shape and I have like a nose and a thing. And I'm just like, it, it's it's whenever I started feeling my face like like morphing, I guess, and I got so happy. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Mm. <laughs> so cool. It's a cool experience, but I think you know these animals. I, I don't know because it's it's all it could all be in your imagination, right? Like, and I know this this gets a little bit wild, and and I try to reserve the right of staying grounded. I mean, like this is you know you could just. Who knows? Because if you start saying like hyper attaching to your psychedelic visions, and then mm-hmm. then you be, get a lot of pressure to like make them mean something and mm-hmm. all of these things, and and I think people lose themselves not a lot when you see people get a little bit sideways. It's like no, I saw this thing in ayahuasca, LSD, MDMA, psilocybin, mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank with whatever it is, uh, a sweat lodge, and this has to be the reality. And I think there's a, a an appropriate level of being in your human experiences and taking those lessons and mm-hmm. and not needing to fully understand them. But, you know, whenever they resonate with you so deeply, it's not necessarily even about the story or that's, a, that's something, mm-hmm. but it's, it's about what do you get to take from that into your normal day-to-day life? And is that is that empowering for you? Does that shift the course of your life in a, in a direction that feels more right for you, even if it's more challenging? And a lot of times it comes, the courage to, to do that comes through just a little bit of letting go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, the Black Jaguar was such a crazy wild experience because it was my masculine. That's when it came up for me. And and it was uh, the words um, pure focus and pure confidence mm. were what came up with the Jaguar. And, and, I, and I made an agreement with the Jaguar in my experience where I've had a lioness experience uh, one time and well, twice, but one time was very vivid. The first time I drank ayahuasca, and then I had the the jaguar experience when I was in Peru, and it was basically the entire week that I was there. And the lioness was biting into my neck whenever I had the experience, but it felt really good. It wasn't bad. It was the whole left side of my body was a like it was like my, half a lioness and half my like body. It was very strange. Like my shoulder was whole, her shoulder, but it was whatever. And her ear was like right in my peripheral vision. It was a very wild experience. 
And so I had a, I made an agreement with both of these animals, the masculine and the feminine, that if I felt like I wasn't focused or confident, that I would feel it in my chest. And that was the jaguar's like like paw pushing on my chest, kind mm-hmm. of. It's like what came up for me. And with the like relentless love of the lioness, I would feel if that was if that was something that wasn't an integrity of my life, I would feel that in my neck. Mm-hmm. So I essentially gave them a passageway to like, communicate with me in my normal day-to-day life. If I feel it in my chest, then that's like a, a focus and confidence and, and something inside of me that I need to work on. And if I feel it in my neck, that means that there's there's some um, something amiss in the way that I'm expressing and 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 understanding love. Mm. So that was yeah, that was a really cool experience for me. And that was Wachuma, which is I would say Wachuma is the San Pedro cactus like I was saying earlier, uh, similar to peyote and. It's one of the most heart-opening experiences mm. and expansive experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm. There's a lot of there's there's some amazing things out there, but again, it's like not being so attached to like, mm-hmm. is it actually a jaguar in my in my chest pushing against my sternum, or right. is it the fact that I neurologically was able to make an agreement with myself mm-hmm. and components of myself that I resonate with that I will have that response when I when I when my body knows something that I don't. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fun. Yeah. And I think for me in that regard, it's like feeling protected and guided and safe in that masculine energy. And knowing that I have that like in the spiritual world and have that in our relationship and the way that really sort of mirrors each other and that I can surrender to that, but also just trust in it and feel it at all times and call on it whenever I need it. And that I don't have to be the one... I don't have to rely on myself in every moment all the time to handle all the things and be that aggressive energy that I can sort of sit back and be a little more in the feminine because I have that really strong masculine energy always around me, which felt really beautiful. And I I felt that in ceremony too. Um, Multiple times I would be laying there and I'd be going through something hard and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And all of a sudden, I would feel your hand on my chest or you would be, I would be gone like into the ethers. <laughs> and all of a sudden I would like feel you like rubbing on my leg. And it was like your voice in my in my ear being like, okay, it's time to come back. Like come back and be grounded. I'm pretty sure that happened like three days ago. I know. <laughs> but it was, I got the message that it's okay. Like because you have this space with Connor that is safe you can go off and be and float and do all the things that you need to do and be dreamy. And he will always bring you back home when it's time mm. to come home. And I love that feeling. It was so beautiful. I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned, and this this wasn't about you, but... Damn it. I know. I did something <laughs> without you. Um, I won't get into all the depths of the experience because I've already shared more than I really wanted to. But I... On the second night, it was a really hard night for me. And I kept feeling this need to pass out. And I wouldn't let myself pass out because I kept thinking, well, what if I throw up and then something bad happens? And I was just like in my head about it. So I talked to one of the healers the next morning and I told him about about my experience. And he said, look, like there's a lot of things that happen during ceremony. We are here to protect you and keep you safe. And... I think that if you feel called to really let go and surrender to that feeling, like I've got you, I'm watching you, you don't need to worry. And so that third night, again, I felt the need to pass out and I was on all fours. And I had decided that if that were to happen again, that I would let myself go. And I passed out 
six or seven times that night and just like a tree. I mean, I'm a big girl and even on all fours, it's like a thump. And the healer was like, yeah, I could, I could hear you. I could see you, but I could hear you fall to the ground. And every time I did that, I got to sort of melt into this experience and I fully surrendered to everything. And I got to go to places that I never even dreamed of. Like it was so incredible. And as soon as I let myself truly melt into that, it would like bring me back out and I would be fully present and aware in the Maloka. And then it would be like, okay, it's time to go back in and I'd get to drop into another experience. And so I was having these visions and feeling like I was just gone. And again, in the ethers, that was a big thing for me this week. And it was so beautiful to see myself surrender in that way and allow myself to see the beauty. And the the lesson for me in that was when you surrender and when you truly let go, you get to see and have and be all the things. And that's what's available to you. The more you fight it, the harder it's going to be. The more you let go and release and just like fall and melt into it, the more beauty and joy and ecstasy and love and colors and music you're going to get to have in your life. And I came out of that feeling so differently and, and really understanding because my intention this year is surrender. I surrender. I write that every morning in my journal. And understanding surrender in a much different way. And it was mm. really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. It was beautiful. So if anyone wants to come to the retreat. The next retreat? Whenever that is. <laughs> the TBD retreat? The TBD retreat. What can they do to learn more and be on the list so that we can update them? Yeah. You go to getTheRealness.com. Well, I'm sure you'll link that in the description as well. Yep. And there'll be a retreats page. Just drop your email in there. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. Your name and your email. It's all we need from you. And we'll hit you with some majestic updates yep. on when the retreat will be. Because rumor has it, Connor and I are doing this next one together. With Mike. With plus Mike. one. <laughs> Mike is our child. He comes everywhere. Mike us. is the best. Mike, um, is, Mike is the movement and body expert. Yeah. And that was one... Of, actually, before we move on from that, I do want to say... Mike was definitely one of the highlights of the week. And I think people really appreciated him. I did myself. The breathing and the movement aspect of what he brought to the table and just really getting into our bodies and being present and working through that after going through some tough stuff, even beautiful stuff. I I danced for four or five hours every night. (laughs) My body was like, what's happening? And having that space to really be grounded and be back in your body was really cool. Yeah. Not to mention Mike has like the biggest heart of anybody on the planet. He's the best. And he's just so smart. And he he knows the medicine. So he like, he knows how to, how to work the body in a relationship and intertwined with with ayahuasca, which is which is I thought was incredibly unique and and so impactful. Yeah, he's a really special person. If you guys want to check him out, go to Mike dot S A L E M I on Instagram. Mike Salimi. All right. So we talked about this on Instagram the other day. I posted about this and someone that follows us asked why I am with you because I talked a lot about Asking the person you're with why they're with you so that... Yeah, put them on the spot. That's a great idea. You should do it on the first date. Put you on the spot? No, just put anybody you're dating on the spot. Shut up. (laughs) We live together and are in love. I can say that. You can ask me that. Yes. Yeah. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own spiral of 
not feeling good about ourselves or not really seeing ourselves um, clearly because we're so deep in it that sometimes it's really nice to have an outside perspective. And to do it with someone that you're in partnership with, even a family member, like, what do you love about me? What do you see with me, for me? And really see yourself through someone else's eyes. It can be really powerful, I think. So I'm going to share what comes up for me. And we're not going to get super into this. But before we get before we get into these questions, I want everyone to know... <laughs> that this that is I, not your idea. This is not my idea, first of all. And I'm vastly <laughs> underprepared. So I will be put on, I will be put on the spot. I showed times. you these 45 minutes ago. We were been recording for 45 minutes. Okay, so think about it while I tell you why you're amazing. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. I'm going to stare into your eyes and we're not eye gazing right why now. I'm with you. <laughs> um, but I just want people to have an example of what this conversation yeah, can look like. Yeah, for real. Because I, get you. I really think it's important. So some of the reasons that I'm with Connor, and I've said this to him from even before we started dating, when we were just voice memoing and texting, I love your heart. And I think one of the most beautiful things about you is the way you serve others and you use the really difficult experiences in your life to help other people work through their stuff. And you do so in such a non-judgmental way. You truly have compassion and empathy. And you know, I get to hear you with your clients all the time and just hear where you come from. And you do such a beautiful job of creating a space for them to heal and to see themselves in a different way and to see what's available for them. And I, I love that about who you are. I love the way you show up and are willing to do the work and you're not afraid to admit you were wrong or that you changed your mind and you truly put in time and energy to grow and you work really hard at it. You read, you listen to podcasts, you ask questions, you truly immerse yourself in that space so that you can bring out all of the best versions of you and the man that you want to be and the way you want to show up in a relationship and just in the world in general. And the last thing that I will say is I love how honest you are. And it's funny because we talked about this the other day and you said, you know, if you love how honest I am and that I bring that to the table, you know, you get the other side of things, which is sometimes like erring on the side of maybe hurting feelings or crossing the line. I love both aspects of that about you because you make me laugh so hard and we have so much fun together and you say the most ridiculous shit when you're Roger, <laughs> which people won't even know what that means, but that's okay. Roger's an alter ego. Roger is his really creepy alter ego. I'm getting used to him. But you also are... You're just so honest. You're not afraid to go there. You're not afraid to say things. You're not afraid to be honest with me when it comes to my business and helping me see other ways of doing things and checking me when I need to be checked and calling me a brat. And I need those things. And I love that you can see that. <laughs> it's not like I'm just an asshole all the time. And no. You just, like, you just justify it. <laughs> not at all. I appreciate that so much because you know that that's something I'm working on and it's something I want to be better at. And so I love... I love that you're willing to do that for yourself, for others, and to educate people through honesty and transparency. So mm -hmm. those are some of the reasons I am attracted to you and I'm with you and I love the work you do in that. Now tell me how awesome I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so well, self-serving. I, I think this it is. And this is, I think, one thing to be 
it's going to be very obvious in the way that I articulate this, mm-hmm. is that how different we are, right? Yeah. So the fact that you just made, were able to make that list, like, <clears throat> if I felt like I had to like match you in a relationship, yeah, I would. I could put like string a bunch of words together to match your list. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. That's mm-hmm. not like that's not even how I express my feelings, anyways. Mm-hmm. But what the reason that this moved the way it did, and it felt. And it moved fast. Like it was like irresponsibly fast. Like I would not have suggested anybody that I know do that. What we did, um, I didn't suggest that. I did. I was like having to like check my shit on a regular basis. But one thing that was um, really evident to me is how right it felt for me and my life experience, mm-hmm. and the level of God damn it. I'm gonna end up just like saying some like out there woo woo shit. So <laughs> mission accomplished. What I wanted to do. Oh, okay, you can imagine. Going into 2019, mm-hmm. so January, which is we we started talking in February, February, which is funny. So I was really trying to get clear on like what I wanted my intention for the year to be, which is something I'm like don't really tell people that I do. It's not like my thing. I like kind of keep it to myself, and I'm like you know I'm not like making vision boards and like putting them on Instagram, right? That's not my that's not on brand for me, and it kind of makes me feel like a douche. So um, I'm like writing, and I'm like what like what really resonates with me. This year, because I'd done that the year before, and it was really, it was, you know, really that setting the intention for the year really meant something to me. So going into 2019, I was like, all right, well, like what, what phrase really sticks with me? And it was expansion. And I was like, am I going to like really have to like, I think it was part of my ego too. Like, do I have to really write the word expansive on all, all of my shit for the next like 12 months? Like, this mm-hmm. is so annoying. Cause that's so cliche, like <laughs> spiritual rhetoric. <laughs> but that being said, like that, that's what, that's what stuck. And it was like, yeah, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So creating an expansive life for myself was really of high value before I even knew that you existed. And then it was, it was so interesting when we started talking that I started feeling what that feeling felt like and then when we met it was like a click and then everything kind of seemed to make my life make a lot more sense and then once we started really getting to know each other i mean of course it was like this initial wave of like well this is awesome and and i try and like temper that as best i can without ruining it like just in my own inner dialogue like you know like be relatively pragmatic here as things started to progress there was a way that we discussed and things that were, I would say, more transparent than usual. And I think even if your intention is to be transparent, like there's definitely, you you can hide behind your personality and like your celebrated self, which I think is healthy. And you want to like, you know, you're mate displaying. You're like a peacock running around with your feathers out. Like, mm-hmm. look how cool my feathers are. Um, and that's normal and natural and, and, I, and I think healthy. But it was a way that we discussed things that had some kind of resonance to it that, that, I was very curious and intrigued about. And when I'm like, when I, if I'm going to really like be in it with somebody, like there's got to be a level of, of intrigue there for me that's fun to like play with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how it goes with you and I is it's like kind of this like dance of back and forth. And it's like, when am I like, when am I being over the, too much? And when are you being sensitive? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, we have to actually, because sometimes it's, sometimes it's, one or the other, right? Like sometimes I am being too much and I have to apologize. Sometimes you're being sensitive and you have to work through that and then you like cry and then you, you know, it's like this thing. And that is so fulfilling to me to have that level of like Mm. exploration together that it feels really 
genuine and it's not this like because it's like oh we gotta like do the work together and a lot of people think like oh because it's relationships are supposed to be hard so if we make this this is really hard that means that we're going the right way and it's like well no that's not really necessarily how it works um and this doesn't really seem hard to me but it feels like growth is happening at a at a rate that uh i'm honestly like impressed by really Mm -hmm. and and the decisions that i've made since knowing you even before we were dating feel like some of the most aligned decisions I've ever made in my life. So that in my own experience has been really expansive, I guess. Damn. Um, and then about, you know, that's in, inside me. That's kind of my experience. And I think with you, because you've done one thing that I, I, I used to say that I, I really wanted because I'd, Dated women who were kind of got pushed and pulled by perception a lot. Like I remember, you know, in my last like serious relationship, which was really a really challenging for me, and it was been a couple of years ago. Um, and I consciously like didn't date for like date seriously for a long time, and I was really focused on myself. And I think it takes a level of growing up to do that, and then being ready for something like what we have. But I felt like the number one priority for her was perception and that was above our relationship, especially in certain experiences. And I knew I didn't want that to be a part of my relationship. But what I find really incredible about you is that you lived that reality and then chose something different. And I respect that a lot because that's not an easy thing to untangle. And it takes a lot of self-sacrifice and and letting go of an identity, which is something I find really impressive and respect. I, I respect that in people, and I think that respect is on par with love in a relationship. So there's that in this level of of admiration and the fact that you've chosen to do something different and put yourself second to the purpose that you want to live through. And I really love that. Thank you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it made so much okay. sense. Oh my God. I can see all the girls listening to this right now dying. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I think that this is something you and I have talked about a lot, which I love about our relationship is how much we respect each other. And I've talked about love not being enough. You have to have respect. And I think admiration. Yeah. And to really be in awe of the person that you're with. And I felt that from the moment I first listened to your show before I ever talked to you. And this goes back to loving the way you're transparent and who you are and how you present yourself and all aspects of your personality and the work that you've done and your willingness to continue to grow and show up for people and all these things. I respect you. I love you so much. It's like absurd. <laughs> I respect you even more than that. Well, and I think that, that's something that I appreciate you saying that. And I think, and I actually took that from Mark Manson's mm. dating course. And I, and I love, Mark Manson is my favorite writer. He's, I think he's, he's done really amazing work. And he talks about that and one about love, mutual admiration and, and, and respect and how, how those are, equal, if not admiration and respect, I think are actually more important than a lot of times when you, especially when you think about marriage, co-parenting, making financial decisions, like that kind of thing. And one thing that I took from that whenever I started to like kind of play with it in my own experience and in my, in my own thoughts was that love consistently changes. 
right? Love the type of love that I have for you now versus the type when we have babies versus the type when we're like old and gross. Like it's a different kind of... I'm always going to be young and hot. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, relative to the field, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Let me have this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that love changes, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's, very, it's highly variable, mm-hmm. right? It changes a lot through our lifetime. And the way that we feel love and experience love and express love and accept love changes often. One, what what doesn't change as much is respect and admiration. Like those are a lot more stable, kind of more stable tracks to put a relationship on. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've romanticized love so much that we think love can conquer all. That's literally on fucking countless numbers of go to Pinterest and type in love. Like you'll find that a few dozen times mm-hmm. on the first page. Like it doesn't. It doesn't. What that can do is lead you into letting your relationship dictate your self-worth by trying to continually prove that love does conquer all when you're getting it slammed into your face, that that's not right for you. Mm-hmm. And they think that that takes a level of growing up to know. And, and knowing there's a, a level of respect and admiration, and I think admiration is, is something that you don't really embody as far as it's more of an external experience of you. Of course, you can admire yourself, but knowing that you're respected allows you to speak up for yourself, allows you to disagree respectfully, allows you to have boundaries, it allows you to say no, you know, it allows really long, challenging discussions, knowing that in knowing and having faith that the other person respects your opinions, your thought, your life in general, and who you are as a person. Mm. And that's something that I think may seem boring on the front end isn't as cute to write about on memes, but over time allows love to grow at a depth that doesn't necessarily get tapped into without that. And I think that especially with the culture like we have today, where it's so driven visually and and through the, you know, these like base level limbic or kind of like lizard brain senses, that we we miss that part because we get so excited and we're so excitable. It's essentially like love is like sugar for the soul. It's mm-hmm. like it's it tastes good and it's fun, but it doesn't have substance. And did it, you just make that up? Yes. You know, there's something. It's like it's like a it's like a it's like a well-rounded diet, right? It's like it's like respect is like healthy fats and like mm-hmm. <laughs> and admiration is like you guys. He's you know, counting macros good, right now, so some good greens. But it's it's really you know you, you see what I'm saying. Like it's it's mm-hmm. this, it's no, this it's triad so that that is it what it was what creates a, a healthy relationship. And I think when you have those three pillars in place in a relationship, then when one is wavering, you have two more to lean on. And that's okay. Mm. And you can make that. Ideally, they're all balanced, but that's we all know that life is a fucking mess and that's not always going to be the case. And there will be a time in your life when you have to fucking lean on love because somebody does something that you fucking can't stand. But you want that there all the time, but you can't like balance on that peg all the time. That was really, really well put. Well, I just, okay. Good Thank job. Thank you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. So dealing with conflict and conversations. So... I will say we haven't had that much conflict. We have not. We've had things. Like discussions and stuff. We've had discussions. We have had... Yeah. Bring them up if you want to get specific. Well, no, I was just... it's This isn't about us. I just would like to talk through how to handle 
conversations when it can get heated or someone's feelings are hurt or you have to have a hard talk about something that bothers you or that's not working. And you know we're still early in this, but this for people that are married with kids, and I know many of your clients have kids or divorced or going into divorce and there's a lot that goes into it. I'll start with my perspective and and then you can take this wherever you'd like to go. But to me, it's really important to be very clear before you come into the conversation. So coming in fucking guns ablazing, super emotional, over the top heated. I want to take you down with my evil words because you hurt my feelings. So now I'm going to hurt you. That's the worst way to get into a real conversation with someone. For me, I want to be clear about how I'm feeling and why I am triggered by whatever happened so that I can do a good job of verbalizing that to you. I'm going to be emotional because I am a crier. But (laughs) if I can at least get thought through words and concepts out so that you understand the full picture as much as possible, I think you have a much higher rate of success rather than let me shut down, bottle it up, make you search for the answers and pull it out of me and then play games. I just don't see that ever being successful. So to me, I like to get clear I want to have thought through what's happening before I start just like word vomiting all over someone. And I also want to come from a place of knowing that we handle situations differently and my triggers don't look the same as your triggers. And oftentimes, you... One, I know you never hurt my feelings on purpose. So I always try and keep that in mind. He's not maliciously trying to do something that hurts my feelings. Two you probably didn't even think that was a thing when for me it was. Yeah, that happened yesterday. Right. So to come into something and be very clear about those things, I think is super important because then that that dictates where the conversation goes. Well, I think that's a really good example is is what happened last night. We don't obviously don't need to get into details, but it was like me saying something that if you would have said to me would have been like laughable. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you getting upset about it, which it wasn't like you were mad at me. It was just like... It's like, that wasn't stung, cool. It stung you. And then the response to that wasn't like, you're such a fucking asshole. It was, here's the rest of the story that you don't know. I had no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And one of the things that is fun about our relationship is that like pick on you sometimes and like we like that's like a that's like our banter mm-hmm. you know and like i mean especially the other day it was like yeah you love that but it's sometimes it's gonna like it's not always gonna be perfect and it's mm-hmm. gonna be messy especially since we're new at this in a year it'll be it'll be a different deal and, yeah. and i'll understand the boundaries of of my ridiculousness and where that needs to be funneled but it was you saying like this is why that upset me and i was like then I could empathize, especially with guys. I think women don't understand this about guys. Like, it's a lot easier for us to be compassionate about compassionate about what's going on when we understand why it's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a, there's a certain level of like understanding yourself and where your the origins the origin story of your traumatic experience. Right? Like, really, where is that coming from? You know, and and some things that may not be a thing. You know, we 
is, I've dated a lot of people and do they get different upset about different things based on their life experience and what they're bringing into the relationship. So for you to be able to be level-headed enough and you were clearly upset, but it wasn't like you were super mad at me. It was like, here's what was going on and here's why. And I was like, oh shit, well, that makes total sense. I will not do that again. Mm-hmm. But I also have to know I have to know where the boundaries are, mm-hmm. right? Because if I don't know where they are, then I'm, I'm at right now. And I think a lot of times in relationships, like you're, especially when you're when you're trying to be more playful, and there has to be a tension there. That's where I mean, we'll talk about sex later. But I think there's a little bit of tension that goes into that, uh, as we talked about the other day. And I'm excited to go into that for a little while, but it's a little tease for the sex conversation. But um, you're gonna play and flirt with different kinds of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And not being able to take that stuff personally and be able to explain where you're coming from. Now, if somebody disregards or isn't respectful of what your experience is, that's a that's what I would consider like a red flag. Mm-hmm. But being able to come into a conversation like you were saying, prepared with an understanding of of why you're upset, like the real reason why, then it's not because the person didn't pick up their laundry. Right. Like that's not it. It's that get triggered when you don't feel appreciated. Yep. And take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Like that's way, it's way bigger than the fucking laundry. Yeah. Or what Dane Cook called like a jelly fight. What's that? It's a bit he did. Oh. About this couple fighting about jelly in the grocery store. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, it's not about the jelly. It's never dude. about the jelly. It's never about the jelly. Yeah. So I think that's it's a really, and it also shows like that's to me, that's compounding interest, right? Like that's like, okay, if I can feel upset about something and, and someone and accept that someone's kind of a mirror for me, whether it's a toxic relationship or a healthy one, like that person's going to be a mirror for you. It's like, okay, where is this coming from? Track it down, journal about it, meditate on it, whatever your, whatever your, you know, medicine is for that situation. Come in with an understanding. Well, then not only have you gotten better at communicating, you've gotten better at investigating yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you can build the skills of understanding yourself and creating a narrative as to why you do the things that you do, you can continue to work that skill set into the other parts of your life. And how you do anything is how you do everything. So looking at that and saying, like, all right, this is something that I can actually grow from, not staying in something that's unhealthy for you because for the sake of growth, which happens a ton, but knowing like even healthy relationships, you're going to get triggered and upset and, and bringing that to the table. And women complain about this about guys all the time. So they're not doing the work. They're not doing the work. Da, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm sure everybody can resonate with that out there because you've probably all said it once or twice in this primarily female audience. <laughs> but are you showing, are you leading in a way that is, if you, are you leading by understanding your emotional states and your triggers, mm. which to a man a lot of times will seem irrational as fuck? But are you are you at least giving a pattern of self exploration that is something that they can to catch on to? Even if it's 30, 40% of what you're doing, is that something that you're seeking to lead in the relationship? Because a lot of times I feel like women overlook that it's it's kind of more often than not, their place in a relationship to lead emotionally. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not we're not Men aren't generally known for our emotional capacity. No, that's not what you're built for. So it's 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 taking a stance. I mean, this feminine female empowerment movement is fucking incredible. So why not take responsibility for leading the self understanding and emotional emotional communication movement within your own relationship and with your own partnerships and with your own family? Mm-hmm. And that's something that that often gets overlooked because there's an expectation that because there's people like I guess me and Stephanos and you know, whoever else is like out there putting this stuff on the internet that it's like, well, I want a guy like that who's already done it all. It's like, well, why? 
Because mm-hmm. we got there by shooting the bed a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure the girls that we used to date wanted that guy too, but they right. didn't get that guy. They got yeah. the guy that I was five years ago. Right. Now I got him. Oh. I, got him. <laughs> um, I, I keep going on. Long. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm no, going on I love rants. what you're yeah, saying. Just... No, I think that's really, really important. And I think um, what's coming up for me right now in order to prepare yourself for tough conversations is one, Take a fucking breath before you talk. Oh, yeah. Space is huge. Take a breath. Take some space. Like even the other day, I don't even remember what we were doing or what I was going through. It's mostly been me working through my shit. (laughs) But um, thank you for being patient with me. But I got up and I left the room. And it wasn't like I stormed off and slammed the door. I was just like, you know what? Like, we just need some space. We're living together. It's only been three months. Like, Was this when we were sick too? And we were sick. Oh, we were like, we, we were like connected at the hip because we were both sick. Yeah. And yeah, we were both like prisoners of our own apartment. And I went into our bedroom and I just laid there and I read and you were in the kitchen and you made dinner. And then I came out and we talked and it was very calm. It was loving. Like I was like, can you check if I have a fever? And then it was just like sweet. And that is not always going to be the case. I'm aware of that. But I... I just knew, and I'm sure you felt it too. It was like, we just need to take a beat. We just need to not talk. No one's going to storm out of the house. No one's going to be like, fuck you. We're not talking. It's like, <laughs> literally breathe for a second. Yeah. Get your thoughts together. Think about why you're upset right now. Remove yourself from the emotion and just think about what's really actually happening. Yeah. And maybe sometimes you're just freaking tired. Maybe you have kids and you're exhausted and you just like can't handle it. And that's why you're playing this out. It really isn't about what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Just thinking through those things. And the other thing that comes up for me is journaling. I did that yesterday and I had the most incredible revelation and I called you and I was like, babe, this thing that we have been talking through for God knows how long now and I haven't been able to figure out... Like a week? No, it feels like longer, but... I was like, I figured it out. I got to the root of my problem and I'm on the phone with you sobbing, but like so excited to tell you that I finally got to the root. But the only reason I was able to do that, you left. I was quiet at home by myself and I took time to journal and get very honest and Mm -hmm. it just poured out of me. And then it was so clear, like that's the thing. That's the trigger. That's what's causing all of this chaos for you. Mm -hmm. And I just, I urge people to... Yeah, do those things so that you can get clear on your own so that you can have more success in these conversations. Yeah. And it's also just like giving the space too. I think a lot of times and, and letting someone know that they don't have to, they, they, you need space. Right. Because right? guys are like, I want to fix it. What's wrong? I want to fix it. Or women do this too, but yeah. it's like, I want to fix it right now. And it's mm-hmm. like, just give it yeah. 20 minutes, man. Mm-hmm. And you go for a walk. Babe, you know what's super sexy? Um, <laughs> nachos? Nachos are sexy. I love me a good I'm nacho. I'm going to drizzle nacho cheese on you later. <laughs> what you didn't know is that I went to the 7-Eleven and got nachos <laughs> on the way home. I'm going to drizzle on you real good. You know what's even sexier than nachos though? There's nothing. Non-toxic perfume and candles. Oh my God, I forgot about non-toxic perfume and candles. Hello. Weird. You know that company Fleur that I love? Yeah, the one that got my, you sent it to my mom. I did. You think that my stepdad thinks my mom is sexy right now? Yes. I think they're having sex right now. They might be. Gross, but also I'm very excited for them and their sex lives. That's how good Fleur smells. And it's not bad for you. They have no harsh chemicals. 
nothing that will mess up your endocrine system, people that are living with chronic illness and inflammation, it's not going to bother them. I have a serious question. Hit me. Do they have a nacho flavor? (laughs) I'm going to talk to their founder, Eric, and see if he can create a nacho flavor for you. I mean, he's sitting on a gold mine. Yes. <laughs> All right. I love Fleur. Sandara is my favorite fragrance that they have. I wear it every day. Connor. Is that what you smell like? Yeah. Oh my God. It's called Sandara, babe. Oh, that's a sexy Kind of earthy. Has like a really beautiful vibe to it. It has like a little bit of like that masculine um, cologne vibe to it. It's not very florally. That's I can't do the florals. It's not my it's not about that floral life either. Not about that floral but life. But what if I want to buy floor? Floor? Floor. Floor. And I don't want to pay full price. What would I do? You would use my code. It's Kelly T and you can get 20% off all of their products. And they do this really cool thing that I absolutely love. They introduced this last year. They give you the sample fragrance kit that you can get for 20% off. So you can try all the different fragrances they have in these tiny little bottles that I actually just keep in my car. So when I'm out and about, I'm like, oh, I need a little spritz. Spritz, spritz. Do you spritz it on you? I spritz it everywhere. And I'm really excited about this nacho scent. <laughs> I can't wait to spritz, no- spritz nachos all over Because what I've been doing is just going into 7-Elevens and hanging around till I smell like nachos. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys can go to kellytenant.com slash shop. Find Fleur. Use their code. It's Kelly T. You can get 20% off. And I promise you won't smell like nachos. You're welcome. Guaranteed. <laughs> Okay. So the thing I was going to ask next is... This isn't really a question. It's a concept. Allowing old experiences and relationships to trigger or define our current experience. That's a good one. It's a heavy one. It's well-timed in this conversation. Yes, it is. Please go. So for me, yesterday, it was a past relationship that was brought up. And it wasn't even the relationship. It was really just the the person's name. And it really was hard for me to hear that. And so I had to create some context for you around why that was hard for me and that I was still kind of working through some of the stuff that had happened and my feelings around it and and whatnot. And I often struggle with this. And we talked to Steph and Christine about this on the show a few weeks ago. So if you guys haven't listened to um, Christine Hassler and Stefano Stefandos on the show with Connor and I, we had the most epic couples conversation. And this was a big part of it. And I, I shared a lot about that aspect. But it's hard for me to talk through my past experiences because I don't want to bring it into this relationship. And I really, I'm, you know, I'm an extremist, black or white. So I really don't like gray area. And I'm like, keep that over here, keep this here, no overlap. And I am learning, especially because you were you were so amazing last night. I would like to give you credit for <laughs> the way you were touching me while I was telling you these hard things. You were like rubbing my leg or holding my hand and you were being so sweet. And I was talking about someone else and you were just like, you were there and it wasn't bothering you. You weren't being weird. It wasn't like, how dare you talk about this thing and whatever. It was like, I'm sorry that that happened and that you went through that. And I didn't realize that you were still kind of processing some of this. And you were so sweet. You you didn't retreat or like move to the other side of the bed or take it personally because it wasn't about you. You were there and you really held me 
literally. And I was really appreciative of that. And I was thinking that while I was talking, I thought about that a lot today as well. But back to my point of not wanting to bring things into our relationship. I'm now understanding because you and I have done a lot of work together. We've had a lot of hard conversations and realizations in in plant medicine that it's okay to talk about those things because it gives us context. And it also... It allows you to show up for me when I'm working through something hard and understand what it is that I'm feeling without having to guess. I'm not going to give you every detail of every past relationship I've ever had. That's not what it's about. But big things that now affect me in this time... I mean, it could be something from when I was 16, my first ever boyfriend. It it doesn't have to be from six months ago. These can be things throughout your life and even outside of romantic relationships. But knowing when to share and being really honest about that and sort of laying it out on the table and say, look, like this is where my heart was broken and I'm still working through this. Or this is something that really was tough in, in this relationship. And when you do that, it gives me that same feeling so that you understand. And that's something that I'm learning and I'm working on. I think you're a lot better at it because you've had more time to do it and work on it and you've been conscious about it. So it's definitely like a new experience for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And I think when you said that the first time and you were like, I don't like to, you know... I don't want to bring that into our relationship. Yeah, I was like, my, you know, I didn't never tell you this until just now. So I was, my initial thought, as soon as you said that, like in my head was, but you are though. Because mm. you are. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're going to bring your past relationships into your current relationships. Yeah. You don't have a fucking choice. Yeah. You're also going to bring like, you know, any experience you've ever had. Because mm-hmm. that's the way life works. Like you're carrying this like backpack full of experiences into, into everything that you do. Mm. And it's whether you want to acknowledge that or not. Now, there's a place where it's like, do you need to give me the specifics of everything that ever happened in this thing and whatever? No. But I also don't want... I would prefer not to remind you of that dude or, you know, tr- do this thing that was that it was damaging or, or heart- hurtful to you. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not that big a deal to me not to do it, but I need to know something. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't need to come up unless it needs to come up. And there's a way to communicate that that's not, you know... Like some people, I guess, in like a very like conflicting way or, or aggressive way, but like, well, you're just like my ex guy for X, Y, and Z reasons. And that's like a really rude way to go about it. But it's like, hey, when you, you know, do this thing or say this thing, like it brings this up for me. And, and then also sometimes you can talk through it and let it go and it ends up not being, it loses its charge and you get, you get complete with it, clear with it. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's like utilizing the current relationship to heal something that happened and it's no longer a trigger for you. And that's one thing I said about us early on is that I felt like the, our our connection was so strong that when things came up, my in my my re- reaction wasn't to like pull away. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well this is this is solid, so I'll just like work on it. You know, versus like I haven't I haven't had that in the last couple of years, so it was like if something came up, I'd be like, well, I'll just go deal with this on my own and like just kind of create space. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I needed to do that. Mm. You know, and I don't want you to feel that way too. Yeah. You you definitely handle things differently than me too. You kind of work through things on your own. You don't necessarily verbalize them as much. I mean, I do when they need to... I feel like... They, yeah, yeah, but I think you... I mean, and you're a guy. We handle things differently. Like you'll journal about it or 
to just kind of like work through it in your head and realize, okay, that's why I feel this way and I'm going to do this and this blah, 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 and like move through it. Where I'm definitely a verbalizer. Like I need to talk about it to be able to move through it. I need to cry about it. I need to be able to connect the dots. Like I need to feel supported. It's like a whole thing for me. And I yeah. think it's still because I'm, I'm new in this whole space. But I guess I, I would love for you to explain to people the difference in those two ways of processing and why both are okay. Well, the thing about it is, it's really funny about that, right? Uh-oh. This Are you is brings tell it, me I'm wrong. No, no, no. It brings it full circle because I used to talk through things a lot more, mm. but bringing past relationships into this relationship. Last time I was in a relationship that was serious, if I had issues that was like perceived as like weakness, mm. and I couldn't talk through things without being extremely poignant and articulate about what they were. Mm. So what I would do is I would journal. That's when I started journaling. That was like my... I mean, I was journaling like uh, like five lines a day in my in my journal, like, like my five-year journal that I have that mm-hmm. just has a little space and you just write like a summation of your day. And it's cool because you can look back at your memories and stuff. It's like OG Facebook memories. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I would journal. I started morning pages. A lot of had a lot of feelings coming up and I had nowhere to talk them through, but I wanted to be able to have some clarity on them. So I started doing morning pages and that really changed my life. So... Me being having that process is me bringing a past relationship into our relationship, and I've have a health I have a healthy relationship with that process now because I do it more intentionally. It's not necessarily out of like necessity. It's because I, it works for me, and I ba- I have a more of a balance with it now. I'm not running from my feelings. I'm just trying to like, if I want to discuss them, I would like to have have an understanding of them. Like this is what we were talking about earlier. I want to understand kind of where they came from. Maybe this is just me and my like something that isn't really relevant to our relationship, which we've had come up. And I was very clear about that. I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. This is what I was feeling. And this is kind of why. And I'm feeling that way. And just be aware of it. But like, you don't really have to change anything. Mm-hmm. Just know. <laughs> that's the thing. So I think that's a perfect segue into how to show up for your partner in a non-judgmental way and be supportive and not take things personally. I think you do a great job of that. I'm definitely learning. I have been extremely codependent for a long time. So this is an interesting dynamic for me to And that's the learn. next question, right? Um, I'm well, not that's sure, one of the but... questions on there, but yeah. So I in the past because I'm a helper and a rescuer would immediately swoop in as soon as something's wrong. And I'd be like, how can I fix it? And I would take on all the emotion and I would be in like the sorrow with you. And it'd be like a whole thing. And <laughs> like a whole thing. it would be a whole thing. And I have learned that I don't need to do that. And I'm definitely learning that with you, which is really beautiful because now I can not separate myself from your emotions, but not have to also go to that place just because you're there. Because I now understand that that's not really helping anything. I can empathize with what you're feeling, even if I don't know what's going on. That night in particular, when you were going through your thing, I you had not yet told me what was happening. And you just said, look, this has nothing to do with you. You wanted to lay on the couch and have your space. And I was like, okay. And I, I felt for you because I knew you were processing something and it was clearly very difficult. But at the same point... It was not, it was not fun. <laughs> yeah. But at the same point, and I'll let you share whatever you want to share. But at the same point, I was like, I'm going to just go do my thing. I know that when he's ready, he'll come and I will lay with him and we'll talk and I am here for him. But I don't 
also need to match whatever that is. Because I'm actually super happy right now. I just had fun at our friend's party. I'm feeling good. And I think that has been a really big piece of growth for me in learning how to show up for you in a very different way. I guess, I don't know if you want to talk through that experience and what that was like for you. No, it was it was it was a very interesting experience for me because it was nothing that you it was something you did, but it wasn't like you were doing anything wrong. Right. And I was like starting to get this visceral, like anxious feeling that I and I don't handle I don't feel anxiety, like real anxiety. I've had like three panic attacks in my life and that was they were I think they were actually like if I could look back at the time I had a panic attack, I was like, Yeah, I probably should have had a panic attack. Like things were kind of sideways, you know. I mean, you know, it was, it was in it was so clear to me, even in the moment that I was started feeling it, I'm like, I know this feeling. I've had this feeling before a bunch of times with the next girlfriend in a situation very similar to this, not this situation, mm-hmm. not the context of the situation at all. But I was like, it was the definite I don't feel like I get tr- I'm pretty level headed. I don't get like triggered very often where I'm like, holy fucking shit, I'm like overwhelmed with this feeling because of this thing that's happening. And, and it was happening and I hadn't been in a situation where that could even happen to me. Right. So the, the what I was at here processing is like I had been running away from the potential potential to have this feeling for a long time. I'd like not put myself in a situation where I could even feel this way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, at all. So I was like, okay, well that's good that there's that there's some there's some good in here. So I was just kind of like mining it for where the lesson was, but I just felt like so anxious about something that wasn't even a present reality for me. It was really hard to, and I'm, I'm being very cryptic here because I don't want to go into like okay. actual That's details. Not what it's about. But it was so funny because it was so clearly, it was so in my face that it had nothing to do with you. And I, and I know whenever somebody says like it's not about you, like it, some, most of the time it probably is. But I was like, no, seriously, this is like mm-hmm. my own shit. And I knew what was really cool was that I knew that, you, that if I just told you I just needed a minute, you wouldn't take it personally mm-hmm. and we had already been through that whole thing so I was like I just need to like lay here for a second just mm-hmm. think because I don't want to feel pressure to pretend that I'm feeling cool right now mm-hmm. so it was it was it was a, it was a really good experience and, and now now I look at that and I'm like okay now I know when that feeling comes up I know where it comes from I can like verbalize it with you because we talked through all of it and I was like hey this is like what's you know what the deal is and here's why and I think you actually like you really understood when I was like this is why mm-hmm. and you're like oh shit well that totally makes sense and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah it was like not not fun for me. Mm-mm. So yeah, it was like it was it was a really eye-opening experience for me. What do you think are the most important things that people can do in those situations for their partner? Both would, people, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. mean I think I I can speak from my side uh in this situation or this person who's having like this visceral reaction that they don't feel like is really again it's space, right? It's like you weren't doing anything wrong. I was probably I was being kind of cold to you, but it wasn't because I was like punishing you. It was just like, I just didn't have like all of my inner emotional investment was in trying to like keep my cool. Mm -hmm. And I was even, I was, I was like observing myself have this reaction. It was very, then you get in the cycle of like, I'm having this reaction. I'm not present with my best friends. And I'm at this, I'm at a party. Like this is weird. And I'm shooting the shit with guys at a table, just like hanging out with people that I've loved to death. And and then you start. I started like shaming myself for having that feeling, and you get in this cycle, right? So you got to understand, like I'm, an, uh, and it was really great for me was to take the space and journaling helps a ton with this. That's like my primary mindfulness practice. Meditation helps a ton too, where it's like, okay, I'm literally observing myself, like having a response right now to something that isn't present reality. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that the phrase that I've used in that scenario is like, is this real? 
Mm. Like, is this real right now? Like, focus on what's real. Like, what's really happening? You know, and, and without the lens of shame, shame gets really weird here because you start shaming yourself for having a feeling. And when you start shaming yourself for having a feeling, you're 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 in a bad place. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing, and it was it was all automatic. It was like this is a like a programmed response that made a ton of sense once upon a time. Like at one point in time, this feeling meant get the fuck out of here, and it was accurate and helpful as fuck, mm-hmm. and I ignored it. So what do you do? What happens when you ignore feelings? They turn that volume from like three to four to five to 11. Mm. And it was like, this is like at volume 11 and this needs to be at volume like two. This is like something I can notice, but I don't want it to be like blaring inside of me. So it came down to, I mean, the biggest thing for me was getting present to it. And like what's real in the moment, what's really here right now, what's, what's actually happening objectively, even though I know it's not going to change my experience internally. And not shame myself for it. Like let myself feel it. And when I was sitting on the couch, I didn't want, and you're relatively empathetic, so I didn't want to like, I didn't want you to feel that. I was like, you don't need to feel that. Let me just like, I I was out here on the couch being like, okay, go. Like do it. Like feel it. Mm. Feel like go down the rabbit holes. Just let them happen. And then when you get to the in conclusion, you're like, that wasn't even, it seems silly. If If you let your bullshit run long enough, it'll just start to look like, some nonsense. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, well, that's the inconclusion of this feeling. The inconclusion of this story that I'm playing out inside myself that isn't real right now, isn't present right now, but did serve me once upon a time. In my, that doesn't really fit this reality right now, and that's okay. And then you can be compassionate for that, but you just kind of have to let it run its course, mm-hmm. and that's helpful sometimes. Yeah, and for me, I think that it's knowing that you can trust your partner that I didn't need you to tell me the details of what you had just processed. I think you knew I was probably going to. I I knew you would. I didn't need you to. Yeah. I didn't need to involve myself. It wasn't about me. This is really letting your ego go in this moment. I really appreciated that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Not something I've done very well in my life. (laughs) Learning. But I think that's where you can really do your partner and your relationship a service by... Trusting that person to come to you when they're ready. And maybe you weren't ready that night. Maybe you were going to be ready a week later. And you were going to be like, look, I've spent the week thinking about this and working through it. And I would now like to share with you what I was going through. Because it didn't have anything to do with me. Hmm. And you made that very clear. And respecting you and your space and your process was really important to me in that moment. And I think that's something that people can really take note of is if you want to respect your person, if you you want them to do the work and you want them to do it in their way at their pace, let them do it that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, to come back around, like we had set the standard for that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's harder to do when you have don't have you haven't set the standards for that in a relationship. Like yeah. reclaiming that is not an easy thing to do, but it is essential. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next thing is talking about honoring where someone is. So I joke about this often, but I mean it. I think you're so much further along in this personal development, spirituality, growth space, <laughs> and. It's part of what attracts me to you because I I find that sexy and I think that you've done a lot of great things and you know yourself well and you're aware, but you also know that I'm still new to this. And so I have crystals everywhere and I like get really woo-woo and I like jump into the space and knowing where the other person is in their own healing journey 
is really important because you have to honor that. You can't drag them for people that may not be doing any work. And that's something I hear a lot too from our community. Mm-hmm. Is like men or women are with a partner and we'll talk about this in a little bit that hasn't done or is not willing to do the work and you're dragging them by their hair. You have to honor where they are. It's not your job to fix them. It's not your job to drag them. They have to choose that path. And if mm-hmm. that's not for them, maybe that's not your person. Well, there's a lot there. Yes. One, I don't feel like I'm further along than you. Okay. In certain yeah. things. But that's the thing is like you and I aren't necessarily like people. I think, and here's something I want to clear up because I think this, this happens way too fucking often. You and I are on the same path. Right. We're not doing the same thing. Very true. Like I give zero fucks about crystals and they're pretty rocks. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's energy in them and maybe there's not. But I think geodes are rad and that's, that's the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And the work that I've done, and the funny thing is people don't get this, the work that I've done in psychedelics, like one of my first ayahuasca ceremonies, they were like, don't take this shit too seriously. Mm. Ayahuasca told me not to take it too seriously. I don't take it too seriously. You know, it's like, it's, it's all kind of a joke to me. Mm-hmm. It's a game. You know, at the end of the day, like what we do have a pretty decent understanding of is that the sun's going to explode and the earth won't exist. And like, what else is there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm totally okay with not knowing. So I get to see like this, like I, I'm stoked that I get to have, I've like have that understanding of, or I guess understanding or belief about, about life. So we have a very different approach to growth. So I don't think it's like further along in what way. That's true. That's true. It's like your thing is like, you're much more in the, in the, in the spiritual realm than I am. Mm-hmm. Talk about your healers and and the intuitive that you talked to that told you this thing. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't get super attached to it. He does not get as excited as I want you guys. I had this amazing experience the other day and you're just like, okay. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I was like, that's great, babe. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. I was like in the middle of like working. Yeah. all right. I was trying to be supportive, but I like didn't. I was like, like what lady, do I do with this? I'm like, this lady told you what you wanted to hear, sweet. I wish you guys could see the most epic death stare that he's getting right now. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But uh, no, it's, it is. And it's like, that, I think that's the thing too. Is people think like, oh, well, they see us on Instagram or whatever the fuck. And it's like, we're doing this thing. We're on the same path. And we're like frolicking through the fucking <laughs> wilderness, like, like without a care in the world, just like chasing butterflies and writing about it on Instagram. Like, that's not what the fuck's happening here. Yeah. You know, like the other day I was having an existential crisis about how I even write on Instagram and how this is all like a fucking shit show. Mm-hmm. And it's just how, how it is. And like, I geek out on like understanding human behavior and like the psychology of things and I wish I was a psychologist and all this like I had to go down these rabbit holes and should I go back to school and there's all this stuff that's going on and you and I very much aren't on the same path but we are far enough apart from each other that we respect and appreciate that and I think it's it's kind of our fault that we we do this that make people think that somebody needs to be on the same path as you for you to be in a relationship with them. Mm. When if you're like out in the, in, in, you know, in the crystals and the woo woo thing and you're doing your thing and you're enjoying that, your dude doesn't necessarily need to do that. Your dude can work no. his nine to five and play golf with his buddies and you can reframe the view of that situation as that person being firmly rooted in the real world that most people are living in and can be a gateway to you understanding and being pragmatic about your life if you love that person and they can accept you. If they're like making fun of you and stuff like that, like in a not a fun way and not, not a cool way. 
But that also gives you permission, like, okay, well, the other the other part of my life, this major part of my life is very grounded. That gives me permission to be kind of even more off in the clouds. Which is what you be, do for me. Which is awesome. But that's, I get that part, but that's really not the issue. The okay. issue is people that are doing the work and people that aren't. I mean, you mean what do you work, do? In what kind of, in, like any kind of work? Like, like, like trying to understand journaling, themselves meditating, understanding themselves, asking why. Like reading a fucking book. Yeah, getting yeah. out of the rat race, like choosing something different, expanding, being yeah. open. Like when you have one person who's doing that and the other person who's not, what the fuck do you do with that? Well, I think empathy is super important. I think that people are more suggestible than we like to believe. I think that if you want your partner to do any kind of work, you need to put the carrot in front of the face that they want, mm-hmm. right? So for your, let's just paint a picture of like something that's pretty cliche, but like one of your listeners, woman, like feels like she's like, I call it spiritually outpacing. She's like doing the work, like outpacing her partner in the work and she feels like she's leaving that person behind. Well, then it's kind of, if you want them to do it and you want to be the gateway, if you want to take responsibility for them, like, getting on some kind of journey, you need to understand what they actually value about life. Mm -hmm. I don't mean actually value based on what they fucking say. I mean value on what they do. What do their actions indicate that they value and find important in life? And you can help them develop based upon their values, not about the values that you're projecting onto them. So maybe the root isn't reading Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, The Four Agreements, because he talks about earth children and like birds and whatever the fuck he taught, you know, however, whatever mystic language he uses, maybe you give him 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson, which talks about standing tall with your shoulders back, having, being somebody that you respect, like being nice to little kids and cats. Like this is like very straightforward life advice. That's super implementable for somebody who goes to an office every day Mm -hmm. and wants to represent themselves well. And maybe that's hyper important to them. And you think that they're in the rat race. And that means that you're just being a judgy asshole Mm. because they may find that really fun. They may find going to work and doing sales and their sales team and like hitting numbers. It's a really fun way to live their life. Mm. And for you to be like, Oh, you're just a part of the like system and you're, you know, working for the man and that's not good enough. Well, that means you're just being judgy. Mm. You need to accept that you're being judgy on someone else because you're chasing fucking butterflies. And that's kind of senseless too. So let's let's be really let's be really honest with ourselves about who's who's being judgy of whom here mm-hmm. and be like, okay, well, what's important to this person that I care about? And maybe I can be like, hey, somebody else that's not me said this book is really good. You'll probably like it. And if their motivation is money, be like, yeah, they like really were able to like be more on top of their finances, mm-hmm. right? A book like I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Great book about finding competence in, in, in your financial situation. Mm-hmm. And he sneaks in the emotional relationship with money in there too. Well, that plants a seed of your emotional relationship with physical things. That bridges the gap between spiritual and material. That's something that can spin somebody down a rabbit hole that they choose on their own without it being forced on them. Mm. Damn, you're so good, babe. <laughs> it's like you do this for a living or something. <sighs> oh, I got pretty heated about that. Sorry. All right. So I'm not sorry. One of my listeners said. Connor has been your steady lighthouse during these storms. Do you think it's possible possible to be his in return? Or how do you be? Or is it triggering for you to see your stability unmoored? Oh, I was supposed to Google this and I forgot. And she also asked, is there a feminine masculine dynamic interwoven in there? So why don't you first talk about the, this first part? 
I want your perspective on me. Do you think it's possible for me to be your lighthouse in return? Okay, so... uh, You love that word right now. I don't know what she means. Like it was so cryptic in the way that she wrote it. I'm sorry. I just like, so, I have to like, I have to like hold on. analyze so that. So unmoored, first of all, is not or no longer attached to a mooring. Insecure, confused, or lacking contact with reality. First off, this woman needs to write a novel. Okay. That's really, really beautiful. Because that's, that's the way she wrote that was really intense. And I think a lighthouse, so symbolism, symbolism of a lighthouse is to guide ships to port without hitting or, or running aground. Mm-hmm. So is it possible for you to be my lighthouse in return? Have I been your lighthouse? No, she's... Yeah. You, yes, you have. And okay. I, I talk about that a lot. Like every time I post about you, it's like you holding space for me, being my guide, you know, okay. bringing me back, all that. Yeah, I absolutely think so. I you think talked about that a, earlier of me grounding you and all that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So in that, in that, in if that's if that's what we're using here. Then yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, I don't think it's a one sided thing. I'm not your fucking guru or your life coach. Right. Like I'm, you know, that's something I don't. And I think that's also if if I wasn't willing to accept the guidance from you, that would if 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 you're feeling that from somebody like they want to guide you but you don't they don't they don't want to learn and see the mirror that that you are for them that is a sign of narcissism and i think we all have we're all on that narcissism spectrum somewhere but i think if someone's not willing enough to accept guidance in return and you don't have that banter back and forth and maybe that is like super grounded 9 to 5 guy and like you know way out there yoga teacher chick like that there's there's guidance from both of those people and and to be able to see to be able to see the guidance in the other person, to me, is the benefit of really having done the work for yourself. Mm-hmm. She says at the end, is there a feminine masculine dynamic interwoven in there? And yeah, I, I would say so. yes, because from my perspective, I I mean, I've been a mom since I was five. Like I just like <laughs> that, the, the mom gene is heavily in me, right? I like to take care of people. I like to show up. I am such a caretaker and a lover and... I think as women, not everyone has this in them, but I would say a lot of women do. And so the way we show up in relationships is in that way. There's like this, there's this matronly guardian, let me take care of you and guide you sort of feeling that we create, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the groundedness that you often feel in me. And I think for you, this goes back to my Jaguar conversation of feeling protected and guided. And like I have this fucking force of energy around me at all times, this sacred safe space for me to to be. So that's how I see that in the way we show up for each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about this now that I'm kind of down the rabbit hole with this lighthouse symbolism, (laughs) but it's, I think the the question for me were like, what are the storms? Mm. Right. Like, not are you willing to be the lighthouse? Like, what are the storms that I choose to have in my life? And, and what's, your, what's your role in those? And I think that through the few that we've had, there's been a lot of that. You know, and I'm like doubting what I'm doing or questioning things. Like, you, yeah. And even to the point of being not even mystical, but like very practical, mm-hmm. which is something that you bring, which I think would put me more in the feminine in that scenario, which is, I would say, the minority of the time. But mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. yeah, it's super, super helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I try, and again, that's that's respect that I know I can like bounce things off of you, and you're gonna be honest with me about what you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, something as little as like my the podcast intro music. It was like yes, no, yeah, it's great, yeah, 
Well, and that's, yes, speaking of honesty, I think that's one of the most important things you can do. And I, I posted about this the other day. Sometimes I'm brutally honest and I make people cry and I just don't have a filter and I just say it how it is. But I also think that in relationship, there is a place for that. And it's out of respect and love, but it's knowing that I know your vision. I know Mm -hmm. your dreams. I want to help you do everything you can to get there. Am I going to be a jerk and call you out on stuff? Probably not. But if you ask me a question, I'm going to be honest based on what I know about what your dreams are. Because Mm -hmm. you may have lost sight of your dreams. You just really like this new logo. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't fit into where you want to go or is not an integrity for you. So I'm going to be honest with you in this moment. Although my new logos are looking fucking dope. So excited. (laughs) Real branding for the realness media. Go ahead. Um, so that, that's all I wanted to say about that. So I think we we wrapped that question up. Well. We answered so, that question so fucking awesomely. That's <laughs> fucking teamwork. Okay, so this next one. This... Did, you just, did you just reference Tenacious D? <laughs> I did. Which you found out about like three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your, brother, your brother's going to be so happy. So proud. If my brother has made it through an hour and 40 minutes of me talking, that is true love. Yeah, he's probably his girlfriend will. Yeah. Thank you, Avery. Okay. So this next girl said, you're 28, putting yourself out there with dating, no longer on the apps, but she's feeling like she's not being seen and that no one really gets her heart or is pursuing her soul in depth the way she needs. What does she do about that? For me, when I hear this, I see so much of myself. I've never been on a dating app, but I'm 31 now and I was in relationships in my 20s where I didn't feel like I was being seen on a deep level. And that is very hard. And so I honor where she is right now. And I know that it it feels difficult putting yourself out there and wanting to be seen and not having that reciprocated. But I also think that there's a time and a place for it. And getting very clear about what you want in partnership. And for me, before we met, I had wanted to be seen, but I didn't want to show myself. Mm -hmm. So that was the problem. Why would I be seen when I'm not willing to fully be myself? That doesn't make sense, right? That's Mm -hmm. totally contradictory. But I didn't realize I was doing that. And I don't know if she's doing that because I don't know her. But for me, coming out of a relationship and getting clear on who I was, what I wanted, what I wouldn't tolerate, what was important to me, what I wanted my partnership to be like, what I wanted in my life, asking for all those things on a daily basis, journaling about it, getting super clear, shedding all of the noise around it. Then I met you. And you, not that you were the answer to my prayers, but you really saw me because I was then comfortable in showing myself fully. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Will you reread the question? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to explore this a little bit. This is, this is, by the way, how I like break things down. I know. It's so good. You're 28, putting yourself out there with dating, no longer on the apps, and feeling like she's not being seen and that no one really gets her heart or is pursuing her soul in depth in the way she needs. Okay. So within that, you can tell when someone writes a question like that, that's that short. It's really easy to see what they value. So she's 28, which is actually good information. She's no longer on the apps and found a way. And that's about like a 
a quarter of what you said. Like I'm no longer on the apps, mm-hmm. which is probably like making appearing to like make a claim for yourself. Like I'm no longer on the dating apps because they're all full of shit. Mm. Which is or isn't true. Um, but it's on par. She wrote that before anything else. So yeah. there's definitely some kind of like resentment for dating apps in that somewhere. Mm. And in the way and that's articulated, and of course it's written to you, who is very like soul-centered, but I would say if I got that question written to me, and I'll just pretend that that question was written to me, I would say if you're talking to men in that type of language, it's going to be really hard for someone to relate to you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day... and. and <laughs> The desire and and the need to feel seen can come off as very needy. And the analogy I made actually from one of my old roommates about this is is I like to think about the heart. One is Winnie the Pooh because that's what that whole symmetry means in Winnie the Pooh. But it's like a puppy, right? So think about your heart like a puppy, okay? Now, puppies all want attention and love and they want to lick your face and want you to play with them and you want to scratch the one and they want you to scratch their belly and they're just like super excited about everything and all the time that's how your heart tends to want to be but that being said you can't just let a puppy like go do whatever it wants to do it'll run it doesn't know that cars will like smash it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't know that some people will be mean to it and some people you know and some dogs are mean and if you put it in a dog park without like being around like it can get really fucked up So what do you do? You buy a leash and you like let that puppy interact with people that are trustworthy enough to really like respect and appreciate the puppiness of the puppy, right? So I think when you're in this place and you may feel a little bit of desperation to be seen, you may be putting yourself out there in a way that's a little bit over the top Mm. and expecting people to appreciate you for exactly who you are without letting them show you that they want to see you. Mm, Damn. And sometimes that 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 gets there's no like I was talking about earlier with you, there's no curiosity or 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 intrigue in that. It's just like here's me at a hundred, accept me and love me, or you're a piece of shit. Or you don't know or you don't appreciate me. And it's like, well, you just kinda like came at me super extra and I don't really know how to handle all that because I haven't actually earned it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or asked for it. Or asked for it. I'm just yeah. like some guy you met on Bumble, mm-hmm. right? And so people like to villainize the dating apps as if that's the problem. But what you're doing is you're going out on a first date with somebody and expecting them to like see you and they, you know, maybe don't know themselves well enough or they're just like, you know, they may be in the fourth date they've been on this week and they're probably frustrated mm-hmm. with dating apps too. And they're not just trying to get laid, but that's kind of seems what everybody wants. And everybody's, women and men are in the same boat on that shit. Like yeah. it's, it's something that's really, really pervasive. And, Throwing yourself at someone versus like making somebody prove to you with their actions that they want to see you, you're going to get less volume for sure. I think that may be where the resentment towards the dating apps come from because it seems like a volume game. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to fuck, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we're at. That's the sugar for the soul we're talking about. It's like it tastes good for a little while, but you'll get real, you know, you'll get diabetic for too long. <laughs> Skittles, taste the rainbow. <laughs> taste the rainbow. <laughs> um, are you ready for my sweetness? Uh, sorry. <laughs> that's an inside joke that no one's going to get. But, uh, um, but yeah, not throwing yourself at someone and expecting them to just see you and appreciate you and accept you on like level 10 when they haven't even like you know, started the game. So I think you and I actually did a really great job of this because I have become very spiritual and the words I use are like her, which is 
why, like you said, she wrote me that in that way. I didn't talk to you like that in the beginning. And at first when we were talking, it was there was it was not sexual. It was not about us dating. We were it wasn't talking. sexual for you. <laughs> I was fully torched the whole time. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but not really. Um but at the beginning it was it was just us talking and we were like telling funny stories about like random hookups and like things that had happened and and then we had earned each other's trust in lots and lots and lots of conversations. And then I think we started to slowly show ourselves. And I remember one night when you were like, when I remember a voice note you sent me and you were like, I've never been seen like that before. I love the way you see me. And that those words and those phrases are definitely gateways into opening things more. It's like, oh, like here's a little, you know, crease here. Let me like explore that. And then the back and forth continues. And then there's more transparency Mm -hmm. and more trust built. And you build upon that. But I love what you were saying. You don't go into something just... You be authentically yourself. You be true to who you Mm -hmm. are. But you don't need to vomit all of this all over the table the first day or the first month. Because one, a little mystery is fun. Two to your point, you have to earn that trust. And there have to be enough conversations where someone has earned who you are. You're a really special person. Yeah. Not everyone deserves you. Not everyone deserves every facet of you. And being discerning in who gets that. Yeah. I think and that's in being empathetic enough with them to understand how they can be communicated with and doing it in a way that resonates with them. Yeah. Well, it's like we joke about this, but I have all these healers and all my friends that are, you know, super spiritual and I have them for those conversations. (laughs) I don't come to you with that stuff usually. If I'm excited and I want to share something with you that happened in a session, I will. But for the most part, like when Malcolm comes over on Wednesday, I'm going to tell him about the spiritual experience I've had or I'm going to call Steph and do that. And it's knowing that that person also doesn't have to be your everything. Mm-hmm. You're not my everything. I have people for different parts of me, yeah. as do you. Like you and Lindsay, you do Roger with Lindsay, and <laughs> that's funny, and she thinks you're funny, and I think it's just annoying and kind of dumb. Like, well, the thing about it is, like, different. like I haven't texted Lindsay last night, which is it could be really triggering because that's like another girl that I'm friends with, like best friends with. Mm-hmm. We were actually talking about like if we get married, like who would be like your yeah. person up there? And I was like, probably Lindsay because mm-hmm. like she's my fucking ride or die homie. And I was like, I really, w- I texted her. I was like, I really wish you live in LA because I wish I had somebody around that I could like go 100 with, like just like be a completely ridiculous. And you know, it's, it's, it's like, there's a, there's a certain level of resonance there and it's really, it's cool to have that. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to be like, cause I would just be, it would just be obnoxious if I was, you know, it's like, it's, it would be obnoxious if I was like myself all the time. Be like, you need to see me for all my like dumb voices and like the South Park jokes I make from when I was 12. Right. You know, like that's not, yeah. that's not necessary. Yeah. And nor do I even want to date somebody who would even be in to that. Like, right. That's like my dumb shit that I like do. That's my like locker room humor that I still like and think is funny. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why guys go to country clubs and shit like that. It's, it's a thing that we, you know, I think guys have that a little, a lot easier than women do in a lot of ways. We all need outlets. Yeah. It's about finding your outlets within your tribe, knowing those are your people. And when you go on a date with someone new, being discerning about what you're going to share with them. Yeah. Period. Make them earn it. And let, let them be, Not let just them be, earn your vagina let them, let them be, and sex. Let, make let them, them be, earn all parts of you. Let them be curious. Like, yeah. give them time to be curious. Yeah. 
I keep you on your toes, don't I? Uh, something like that. Speaking of vaginas, let's talk about sex. Sex time. Not, right. a, not X-rated though, Roger. <laughs> okay. If we talk X-rated, you have to talk in Roger's voice. <laughs> you don't want... No one wants that. No. No one's ready for if that. If you talked like Roger in bed, I would probably I'm gonna do it now. punch you. Ooh, get ready for my sweetness. Get ready for the sweetness. <laughs> You guys, if you want to watch a funny video, YouTube. What should they YouTube? Um, Skittles commercial. Band Skittles commercial, Taste the Rainbow. It is so funny. Uh. So this um, male listener, which I was so excited. It's a you gentleman. Guys, any men that listen to the show, I fucking love you so much. Chill, you guys are the chill. best. Um, all right. He says, talk about sex, period. <laughs> Not like X-rated, but how to keep a connection rather than just doing it to do it as well as how women and men want to be eased into it. So this is interesting because we were listening to Dax's show the other day and he had... Dax Shepard, armchair, armchair, armchair expert. expert. Shout out if you're listening I, to Dax. I, I say Dax like he's our bestie, which yeah. I wish he was. But do you remember the name of the doctor he had on the show? I'm going to look it up while Alex, we talk about Dr. This. Alex Kras, not, not Krasinski. Canyon that's or, somebody else, but yeah. That's um, John Krasinski. Oh, here it is. Katahakis. K-A-T-E-H-A-K-I-S. Okay. So in that conversation, Dax said something that I loved and I would like to talk about that now. And if you guys have a chance, listen to that episode. We both loved it so much. Yeah, really good. We both really want to interview this woman on our shows. But he said, women need intimacy to have sex and men need sex to have intimacy. And I think this is a perfect sort of response to this question of what being eased into it means because being eased into it for men and women is often different. Mm -hmm. And of course, in every relationship dynamic, it depends and it's different. You know, I'm just speaking sort of to the masses at this point um, because I don't know what his situation is. But as a woman and the way I want to be eased into it, I definitely need to feel connected to you verbally throughout the day or the week. I f- want to feel like you're seeing me. I want to feel like you're loving on me and telling me I'm sexy and making me feel wanted and touching me and doing all those things before we ever even think about having sex. And that's really important to me. And that sort of a foreplay even before we get into bed is that emotional connection. And that is how I am eased into it. If I don't feel those things from you, like I feel like you're ignoring me or I'm not desired or I'm not feeling sexy and you haven't said that I'm hot in a few days, whatever that is, I don't feel like I want to have sex with you. It really creates a barrier for me. Um, And I have to really work through that before I'm able to be intimate with you. But I know men, oftentimes it's different. And sex creates intimacy. So what is that like for you? I mean, being eased into it is a really interesting way of looking at it. And I'm trying to look at it through that lens. Um, how do we like to be eased into it? Well, I think we're easing, in, we're easing into empathy more than sex in a lot of ways. I think guys have to hold the throttle back a little bit before the, you know... To not go and go one hundred into like literally explore somebody's physical body, mm-hmm. and it's more than physical. But in that place, I think that with men, a lot of times we get ex- there's an expectation that what we want primarily is sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the cultural narrative, right? That it's like. Sex is like all we think about all the time, which I think about sex a lot. I'm gonna lie to you, but how we go about doing that is a different, is a different, is much different than women, I think. And 
with that being said, I mean, I'm trying to like really explore this. I haven't thought about it from that from that angle too much, but there's more shame around our sexuality, and I would actually go as far as to say there's more shame around our sexuality now than there was ten years ago, because of things like the Me Too movement, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of guys are, even if they have never participated in something that was to that extreme like there's a lot of fear around our sexuality it might seem more fear than shame around our sexuality now mm-hmm. and that's going to come out somewhere yeah it's going to come out somewhere so i think that for guys being eased into it if you want to have a really healthy sexual relationship with a partner you need to understand it's not if a guy has some kind of shame around their sexuality it's where is it mm-hmm. and being able to help a guy work through that is something that's going to only increase the level of intimacy and the level of openness in the bedroom because what people get what are people's primary complaints about sex like it's always the same or it's it's like whatever but it's the same because we that's worked pretty well in our history right so if you want something different if you want to crack somebody open sexually you've got to understand where their sex shame and their experience from their life experience is and a lot of guys it starts with masturbation Right, like I make a joke about this, but it's it's like, you know, when we learn how to jerk off, it's like first off by accident, just like you guys. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I can't let my mom can't find out about this. So I've got like the it's like this funny if you wish you could see me right now, but you're like laying in your bed and you've got like your one hand like holding the covers oh up God. and you have like a teepee and you're like in here just like jerking off. And then like somebody <laughs> walks in and you like drop the blanket and it's like <laughs> and your mom's like And you got a baby boner. <laughs> Everything okay in here? And you're like, uh, yep, just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I was just dead asleep whenever you walked in. I was not jacking off to my teacher. I can't wait till we have a boy and this happens. I'm, I'm going to die laughing. Yeah, you get to clean up all the messes. I'm making you do the laundry. <laughs> that was a really great sound. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, but I think I think it's understanding where that is. And like mm-hmm. a lot of guys get really ashamed of themselves for coming too fast or they're not good at eating pussy or they're whatever. And then like, mm-hmm. I want to do this, but I don't really feel like I can approach it with you. And... Sometimes, like, you know, they'd be like, do whatever you want with me. And it's like, that maybe that's not really right. You know, like, there's all kinds of different things. And it's it's never the same. Like, we're like our, you know, our sexuality is kind of like a fingerprint. Like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. You know, and not weird in a bad way. It's just like, it's it's a quirk that we have. And everybody has kinks. If you only like having missionary, that's a kink, bro. Right. Like, that's kinky. That's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like the most out there. So... Being able to explore where someone's shame lives and be able to broaden their boundaries of experience, I think will really lead to easing into more intimacy. But it's not, you can't go, just like we talked about earlier, you can't go zero to a hundred. It's like, well, what is that like for you? And have you, have you ever tried to, to do something different or explore something new? Because for a lot of guys, the thing is like, oh, this, well, she won't like that or I won't be good at that. Because when you try something new, you're not as good at it as you, as you can be, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you had that experience with one of your new little gadgets. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't really know if I like it. And I'm like, I think you're going to like it. And then it was like, oh, I love it. I but love it's like, it. you're kind of clumsy with things when you try them the first time. And guys do not like to know, not like to feel like they don't know what they're doing in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And knowing that and be like, hey, like you can like, we can try something new and you can suck at it for a little while. And that's okay. And we may hate it, but let's yeah. explore it a little bit. Well, that's that's communication, right? And I think you and I have done a really good job of that. Even last night, we were like talking about kind of like fantasy stuff and bringing things up and what do we want? I I try and make a conscious effort of telling you when, I, when you do something that I really like. And whether it's while you're doing it or after and we're like laying in bed or even the next morning, I'm like, I really liked when you did that. That felt really good. Or wow, I've never done that before. I 
I didn't know that was a thing. I think <laughs> I, that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I think that that adds a lot of value to the relationship. I think it can be super hot to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is in a non-emotional way of telling your partner what you do and don't like so that then you both know going into the next time you're intimate. Oh yeah, I remember I did that for her and she really liked that. Or, oh, he told me that that didn't really feel good. I'm going to try it in a different way and just explore. And knowing that you have a non-judgmental communication back and forth of exploring different things together, that can be super powerful. Yeah, and before you know it, you're going to get your assholes waxed together. It's just getting real weird. Somebody's real, getting pegged. Real weird. I'm not getting pegged. We're not doing. We're not doing that. But if you want that's to, that's a hard uh, no for Honor me. your soul's journey. Yeah, we your support boyfriend. you. And if you do, definitely send uh, photos and a full-on description to uh, at Kelly M. Tennant on Instagram. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Kelly loves watching guys get pegged. Yeah. Well, I saw her browser history. I like, had a I had a girlfriend uh, admit to me recently that she did that to a boyfriend of hers, and that was a really fun conversation to have. So. Anyways, that's how I would say connection is important. Something else, um, I just want to add to this and then we have to move on because we're about two hours in now. The last thing I will say, and this is for both, but I can only speak to this as a woman, coming into the bedroom confident is huge for us. And I would always be scared to like put on something sexy because I thought this is going to look stupid. I feel stupid. What am I doing in this? He's going to think this is dumb. Like whatever the thing in my head is. And the other night I came out and I was like, it's nothing elaborate or crazy at all. It was just like a cute little, like, what would you call that? Like a, like a... I don't, I'm not a lingerie salesman. It, is like, it was know? like a lingerie, but like a... It was like a onesie like, thing. Like a bodysuit. Yeah. Like a lace bodysuit. And I came out in that and I was like, I'm, I've been wanting to wear this. I'm going to fucking own this. I'm going to feel sexy regardless of what his reaction is. Like, I feel really hot right now. And that's what I'm going with. And you liked it. And it was great. I felt so hot all night. And I felt so good about myself the next day because I took a risk. I did something different. I changed it up by myself. Like, I initiated that. And it made me feel really good, which then made the sex that much better. And I was like, so in it. And I was more verbal. And I was like, oh my God. There is so much power to that. And I just think that sometimes we need a little permission to really own our sexuality and to be comfortable in those moments because your partner will be so turned on by you being in like embodying who you want to be in yeah. that moment. Yeah. You notice I didn't even take it off of you either. I know. I like that. <laughs> I was like, I really enjoyed it. Just wait till I come out in some assless chaps and I'm like, Jesus. hey, all right. <laughs> Only Let's Roger fuck. wears that. <laughs> It's Roger time. Okay, so that's as X-rated as we're getting tonight. I promise in the next show we'll do something else. Um, So someone asked, when you have a partner who is dealing with loss, what do you do when they take it out on you and push you away? Um, Depends on what kind of loss it is. It sounds like it was a a loss of a human. Someone passed away? Yes. When they take it out on you and push you away, man... You know what? This is what's so. It's just so vague because it's gonna be. It's gonna have to be very specific. I think that if they're pushing you away, then you need to give them space. That's really. That's really the the long and short of it. It's like yeah. if they're pushing you away, and that's where they need you to go. Like maybe they need. I think sometimes people underestimate how important it is for someone to ask for you to help them. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the thing for this person is like 
yeah, they're pushing you away because they 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 feel smothered and they want to lay on the couch and process it on their own. And and maybe the best thing you can do is let them know that you're there if they need you, mm-hmm. and you don't need to. I think a lot of times what we're searching for when we're trying to like be there for somebody so badly when they really need it is we're searching for our own validation in that. And it's it's well-intentioned, but it can be really overwhelming because somebody's dealing with loss and they feel like they have to, they feel like they need to feel better so that you don't feel like you're doing a bad job of being there for them. So then they feel ashamed of themselves for not feeling better. And it's this whole thing. So I think one of the best things we can do if, if you're feeling that way is to give that person the space and let them know that you're there if they need them. Um, and if they're taking it out on you, like they want you to be around, but then they're like abusive in a way, like that's... That's something for a like trained professional to work yeah. with them with. Like that, that, I think one thing with all of this stuff, like if it's really, if if you feel like you're being abused, if you feel like it's really toxic, like there, that's that's what family counselors are for. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trained to do. And I think that you know, this is let's let's give the caveat. This is just us talking about our experience on right. a podcast. You know, I I obviously coach people and I've been through things and I've worked with people through a lot of things. I'm not a a, a licensed family therapist, and there's people that that's their focus and they have very strict boundaries and, and protocols in place for just that. Mm-hmm. And when that stuff comes up for me, like if someone's having that issue and I had something, somebody reach out to me for coaching for that thing and I sent them to a therapist. I'm yeah. sorry, this, is not from, this is not what I do. Yeah. No, I think that's super important to be able to, to make that decision. The last question is one of my favorite, is from one of my favorite people in the entire world. This is um, the guy I was telling you about the other day. He is actually bringing his daughter to Ceremony Wellness Live. And he reached out and wanted to make sure that we got this question. And I just love him. So thank you for sending this in. You know who you are. He said, how do you move from judgment to empathy in a relationship, especially when one person is further along in their healing journey, but want the same thing to be unconditional love for themselves and each other? I think that to move from judgment to empathy is an essential part of all of this. And I don't think it ever, it doesn't, I don't think, I don't think you like hop lily pad, like judgment lily pad to empathy lily pad. And Mm. it's like, oh, I don't feel judgment anymore. I only feel empathy. Like that's, if someone tells you that they're a fucking charlatan and run the other way. um, I think that you track down the judgment in yourself, right? Like if someone, if you're feeling very judgy towards someone and just like Kara Miller said on my show, that person's probably exhibiting things that were in the most recent phase that you just went through. And if it's a partner, that's that's really likely because you probably resonated on those things. You might resent yourself for resonating with someone else on things that you now feel are beneath you. And then you judge the other person for not keeping up. But really, what you're looking at is a former version of yourself that you have resentment for. Mm. And I think that you can get a lot out of processing and finding compassion for those exact same qualities in yourself because they, without a doubt, exist. Mm. That's beautiful. You brought up Kara. Can you talk just a tiny bit about that episode so we can tell people and I will link it. They have to listen to this episode. Yeah, Kara Miller, um, she was a professor... Uh, developmental psychology at the University of San Diego is where she got her PhD. Now she works with leaders in creating culture, but that culture starts, it's an inside job first for leaders. And we talk a ton about um, developmental psychology and and spiritual development. 
Um, that was one of the most recent shows. One of my favorite shows I've ever recorded. It like was one, one of the best conversations I have ever heard in my life. Yeah. And she's, she's a fantastic human being. Like I, I can't do it justice just like giving us the mm-hmm. summation of it. It, it. That like there were so many moments like I was like laughing and almost crying when she was and I gave her permission with anybody that I respect as much as I respect her on the show to, to dig into me. And I think that's something that's, that's really helpful sometimes and and they think that we're all kind of in this together. So it's nice to see someone who's like, I'm going to put myself out there and let this lady like ask me really challenging questions. And she got into some stuff about exactly that. Like we are kind of allergic to the previous phase of ourselves. Like it's easy to look three, four, five phases back and be like, okay, I can have compassion for this person who's like starting their journey, but I've been on this thing for 20 years. But the person that was you six months ago is really fucking hard to handle because you're really frustrated at that person. You had to be that person. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, I really took to heart. I love you. I love you too. Hey, did you get your nails done, by the way? I did. It looked really pretty. Oh my God. <laughs> totally going to make out with you after this. Yay. Thank you for spending two hours with me. Um, Thank everyone out there for spending two hours with us. Thanks for listening to us. We're going to go make dinner. Have an amazing day. Bye. Bye.